another edition of Excalibros. I'm your main man, Georgie V, on the scene, and with me today is... Dan. <laughs> I thought we agreed to be shock jocks then, like morning I... announce radio announcers. It's it's the British blood in me. I clearly can't be excited in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I was gonna um, bring like my soundboard and have like goat noises and like oh the bamf noise, that, yeah, that sort of weird noise that goes. <laughs> 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 Whatever is that weird noise that in the movies that makes no? I don't know. It sounds like a fart going really fast. Mm. Nightcrawler fast fart. Essentially, that's what he does. Mm. Essentially, he just leave a, an eggy smell behind. Mm. They do talk about that a lot in the in the books, so yeah. They really do. Do you think he just purposely just farts every time he teleports? It's not actually his teleportation, it's just him. If I had to fart and I was Nightcrawler, that's when I would do it. <laughs> and then just like, oh, it's the, it's, the, it's the dust and the, the smoke. Yeah. Wasn't <laughs> me, guys. Me. I know it smells like egg salad sandwich, and that's what I had for lunch, but come on. It's a demon dimension I, I teleport to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, that's enough uh, fast fart talk for now, I guess. Uh, so today, we're going to be going over three books, like usual. We've got two Exiles and one Excalibur. Uh, so first off, we're going to talk about Exiles number seven from uh, the 2001 series. So uh, Dan, as far as creators go, I've got writer Judd Winnick and penciler Liam Sharp. Uh, that's all that uh, Marvel Unlimited has listed for some reason. Do you have any well, of the other creatives? Weirdly enough, it isn't actually penciled by Liam Sharp. It's actually penciled by... Because uh, if you look at it, it's Mike McCone that does does it. Um, it's actually the same. So, you know, you were complaining. Unless some of it... No, all of it is Mc, all of it is McCone. Like, if you look through the pages, it is all McCone. So, yes. In my book, um, unfortunately, because it's a collection, um, it just, you know, obviously Judd Winnick. Um, but it's definitely Mike McCurn that's doing the... Well, yeah, the art... I was going to say, like, it doesn't look like a new, new... We have a new person on artwork. And nope. I got to tell you, Marvel Unlimited has gone through a change, which hasn't, uh, like, really affected the app in any way. So if you're reading this on a tablet or a phone, it's still working great. But when I record, I like to have it on, on like, a bigger screen on my laptop. Uh, and... They went through some UI changes that made this really difficult to use now. Uh, you can't log in how you used to be able to log in. And once you finally get to Marvel Unlimited, it's not like a list of comics. It's like a blank page. Then you have to search for things, but the search is, is odd. And, and so if you search for Exiles, it doesn't bring you up comics. It's like Exiles the group, Exiles the blah, blah, blah. And you have to go through like eight different levels before you finally get to the comics. Um, and it doesn't allow you to load a whole bunch at once. You can load like six and you have to load six more and six more. And even when I sort to like oldest first, it doesn't sort. It's like they, <laughs> uh, they really messed up this update. It's really annoying. Like I had so much trouble finding this book. Uh, whereas on the app on my phone, it was like bing, bang, boom, I've got it. But on the, uh, on the desktop, it was such a problem. Uh, well, thankfully I'm old school with exiles old school because i've got it in paper trade so however unfortunately i don't know who inked this book because there was five inkers named and it doesn't specific specify what issues they did although the colorist for the whole book is transparency digital mm -hmm. the letter is 
Paul Tatrone. Um, but that's all I've got. Um, so yeah, right, that's well, literally that's all the creatives I have. Well, that's I guess that's our creative slash Marvel Unlimited rant for this week. Um, I can't believe they got the artist wrong. That's like really that's bad. really ridiculous, right? That's actually really, really bad. Um, especially when it's like issue seven, and and McCone's been on pretty much all but two of them. Uh, so yeah. I don't, um, you know, there are problems with Marvel Unlimited, but, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, after hearing everything that's coming out for the, the, the DC app, I, I mean, this Marvel Unlimited is still way better than whatever they're putting together for DC. Is it, I haven't really listened. All I know is that people kept saying to, saying that if I wanted to read um, Superboy from the 90s, I'd have to wait until DC lets me read Superboy from the 90s. Yeah, it won't have everything. <laughs> they'll like have curated lists that'll be available for a while, and then they'll change the list out to something else. So just, so just Batman and Harley Quinn, then? Probably. Um, on rotation. You know, all the Scott Snyder stuff all the time, you ever wanted. <laughs> Sounds like a nightmare. Anyway, um... For me, other people will enjoy it, I imagine. But anyway, this front cover is, is bizarre and brilliant, so I think we should definitely talk about Sleeping Morph and his um, dreaming of, of exile sheep, essentially. Yeah, I love the concept of this cover. I don't really like the execution in terms of I'm not really on board with this, this artist so much, but uh, in, in concept, I love the idea that he's dreaming of all of his teammates as sheep it just feels very morph to do and i love that he's sucking his thumb while he's sleeping as well <laughs> he's got a little nightcap on i do like it it's, it's an interesting cover it just it seems a bit it's in it's in good context for the rest of the issue which uh, comes at a time where marvel had that experimentation month called enough said where everything that they did had no dialogue and uh this is what happens when exiles has no dialogue Yep, for a uh, second there, because of this update, I was like, oh no, did they mess up and not like have any of the word bubbles in this issue? I, I got worried for a second, like, uh-oh, I think this is supposed to be like this, but maybe they messed it up. I was worried. Can you imagine, you know, there's people like, oh, there's not enough words in my comics. Could you imagine what would happen ah. in, in that month where all of Marvel's comics had yeah. no words in? I feel like they would all have an aneurysm Their at heads the same would time. explode. Why am I reading yeah. a comic book if there are no words? What is this artwork? <laughs> I like the idea that people don't actually see the artwork <laughs> they just read the words they don't even look at what's going on they just read the words and move on I'm certain <laughs> there are people like that I can't I, I don't want to believe in that world Georgie um, so I'm just going to move on alright let's move on then Take, guide us so, through Dan so in some random hotel we have um, a sexy redhead showing her ID <laughs> or something to the to the um, guy behind the reception walks off into an elevator and the guy behind the reception is all about the ass essentially much to the dismay of her, his co-worker right and then um, the, yeah that that side eye is like I thought we were fucking um, essentially <laughs> is what the side eye is uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> And so the sexy lady gets into the elevator, and lo and behold, it's Morph. Because, of course, it's Morph. I love that he's, he uses pieces of his costume in 
like as he's dressed as as a woman even like even the coloring is the same but he also has you know like his neck collar is a is now a bracelet um mm. it was really like uh i i just loved how they were able to integrate all all of his costume into like a regular looking outfit and just for just for like a couple of panels as well and not yeah. even full panel it's quite a nice little touch i do like the fact that they all port in and then he becomes a a, hot, a hotel porter and hands them all um marvel in cards so, um, at Marvel Inn, you can get showered and you can go to bed. Which is this basically is- what we do. Yes, this issue um, has a lot of shower and nudity. Or faux nudity, I suppose. Um, so basically, the concept is, well, how do we make an issue with no words? And Judwinick decided that he's going to just individually let each exile's dream and we start with um, good old John, and he uh, in his dreams he's Tarzan. <laughs> I think. I think it's, it's more like it's like him it's before him. he was, you know, transformed by Apocalypse. Pretty much, it's just it's such a fun little image that he looks like oh, Tarzan. Yeah. Totally, is like Tarzan. Yeah, and I, I love it. I, I, I said I love the concept of the cover. I really like the idea of of the book interior as well. It's a great way to get some characterization of all of the characters uh, with lack of, you know, with no dialogue. This really intrigued me a lot. Yeah, it's weird that uh, it's almost as if, like, art can also do characterization. (laughs) Shock horror. (laughs) Shock horror. Um, I really like, uh, I really like John's um, a lot. I like the fact that he's running, he's jumping through the air, he's swimming. The things that he's always said he can't do is, like, feel and taste right so it's these like really interesting like he's obviously feeling the air fruit flowing through him the water on his skin then he goes to like this fruit market has a bunch of fruit and then he just sits in the and he's obviously bought a load of load of stuff from there and then he sits down with an ice cream watching some kids play and just enjoying life yeah and it's such a nice sort of idea that that's what he dreams about and there's 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 a piece about there's, there's a feeling that he's at, at peace with nature as well, and he's calm, and he's he's more the person he wishes he was that he should be, and just sort of enjoying that. Those are the kind of dreams that I I enjoy the most when I'm I feel like I'm I'm my true self and able to relax. I don't know if you ever have dreams like that. They're great at the time, and then you wake up, and you're like, ugh. Well, now I'm back to real life, but the great dreams. That's just me waking up every day. Um, I do like the fact that because it's in contrast to him just like laying there, almost like dead on the on the bed, like a corpse. Yeah. It's in con- he's like he's, he's alive in his dreams, but sort of just still, as opposed to um, America, who is has basically thrown her bed around as she's tossing and turning, which I felt really like because we we've had nothing, not a thing about her really. Yeah, at all. Uh, and this is what we get. Um, we get a young, a dream of a young girl going through a lot of like study, doing piano recitals, um, a moment where she fussed her chest in the air, which I didn't get at the time, but I think she's being rebellious. Yeah. Um, and then she runs away with her newfound powers to America, because that's where you all, that's where everyone goes. And um, she has a nice dance and party, but she can't party because her parents are always there watching her constantly disapproving of her entire lifestyle uh, which i think actually um 
No, no. I thought maybe this would be the first hint of a specific character trait of hers, but it might not be. But um, yeah, so she's just got disapproving parents. Yeah. Which feels like... Not just disapproving, but they're like overbearing parents. Yes. Which feels a bit cliche for the Asian character to have, but fair. But that's probably why she's tossing and turning, bless her soul. Mm. And then... Uh, we move over to Mimic and the dream that we all knew he was going to dream. Like, like as soon as I knew this is a dream issue, I was like, I know exactly what he's going to dream about. Little, so he's got baby Blink Mimics, um, and he's married to Blink. Blimics or, or Mimics? Mimics sounds, um, sounds like a fashion fable, <laughs> so we'll go with that one. Um, he's managed to tame and also domesticate Blink. Um into a house, perfect housewife model for himself. And um, they're a happy family. Though there's that picture where she, he kisses her and she's not look impressed. But other than like, the kiss of the cheek. <laughs> like, no, she does um, not. But, you know, they're a happy family and his dream ends in the heart with ribbons around. I mean, um, it's a nice dream. Nice to be fair, it's a nice dream. I like his reaction when he wakes up. Like, you know... <laughs> He looks almost shocked. Yeah. Obviously. He's probably shocked that he's got also morning wood at the same time. That's probably what it is. I'm sure that's what it was. I mean, no, you, you make that. a good point that he really, like, his dream is to domesticate Blink, who really isn't that kind of a character. No, no. Um, and, and it's odd that that's what he wants, you know, in a number of, of ways. Um. No, the, the, the travelers and adventurers, right? So to want like a safe, like ideal fifties, you know, quote unquote, you know, domesticated life, I can understand the appeal for him. But he also knows that Blink isn't this person, and I don't know if he really wants Blink to be that person. No, I think he wants. I think he just wants because they're not there on their own free will. They're there because of the circumstance, and I think he he came from the best timeline or the best reality, didn't he? Like the mm-hmm. the one that. So I think he just wants his reality with Blink, like this this perfect idolized sort of version in his dreams. Otherwise, he's so shocked. Everyone else has like, apart from John, everyone else has kind of like weirder dreams, like yeah. Morphs, where he is an entertainer and then. The world dissolves around him as he himself turns into a puddle, having a horrible nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, this is another good piece of characterization, I thought, as well. Like, Morph wants to be loved, he wants to perform, but he's also afraid of of his powers and just, like, melting into, like, what's really him, you know? Yeah, ever since they mentioned that he turns into a bubble on uh, someone's shelf. on bubble, uh, some liquid on someone's shelf uh, at the beginning if he doesn't fix the timeline. He's kind of always had that as a sort of joke. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is like his subconscious sort of being like, yep, yeah, let's face that, terror. Head on. Now, this is the one that I'm not particularly keen on at all. Um, yeah, we're gonna so have to, you're going to have to like walk me through this, I think. Right, so I'm not massively keen on it. Um... So it starts with, like, not TJ in her bed, Noxen's in her bed, and she's dreaming, and then someone with like a eight pack turns up, which is obviously supposed 
I think it's supposed to be John without all the armor. And then they get it on, but then they're in this sort of place with a picture on the wall, which is like John and CJ sat there. And then I think she's pleasuring herself while she's asleep. Or she's just having fun while she's asleep, while she's being basically, she's basically having sex with John. And then they both wake up and they're in the same bed. Were they in the same bed? And then they they sort of, the bit at the end kind of like, are they, they're just under the covers, right? Or have they just vanished? Because um, it's like a weird shadow. It almost looks like someone's vaporized them and that's the outline. Right. Well, my, my qualms were at the beginning. They, they showed like this guy with the APAC, like you said, walks in and he's got like a bluish tint to him and his hair is, is yeah. blue. I was, for a minute, I was wondering if this was some sort of like father, weird, um, <laughs> like trauma she's fun. trying to work through. And it, it kind of feels like John, that first page, but it also, I mean, it almost looks like the Hulk like slimmed down and grew out his hair, like the Grey Hulk. I, I think it's yeah because if he was coloured a bit better, it'd make more sense. If you know, what I mean, if he was coloured like John in the originally in, the, in uh-huh. his dream, it right. sense. And like they're having this moment, and then is she sharing this dream with him? I or... don't. No, I don't think that's what it is. I feel like she's. Well, maybe, maybe. And then they... Cause like she wakes, yeah, she wakes up and he is literally hover- from the perspective. She's asleep. He's looking at her. She opens her eyes. He's there. She smiles, pulls him to the bed, and then they sort of vanish under the covers. Mm-hmm. Somehow he's giant. But basically, it's a sex scene. Her entire like characterization is has been defined by just wanting to have sex with her boyfriend. Yeah. Alrighty. Which <laughs> is a bit weird. It gets yeah. better. She gets much better. Yeah. Happens yeah. There. But it's... Well, let's move on, because that, that one just freaks me out. <laughs> and then the next one is good old Blink, who is running away from... Uh, baby Blink is running away from Sinister, Age of Apocalypse Sinister. And she's running, and she sees, like, the exiles, but they're older. And she's trying to help people, and it's just not going her way. It's quite horrific, actually. And Sinister catches her... And she's screaming, he's shouting, she wakes up, she's quite upset. She teleports into uh, Mimic's room, and they embrace. Which I thought was quite nice at the end. But she has, like... That, that, but then that explains... That is just her. She, she just lived... She's lived a life of trauma. Right. So even in her quiet moments, she's doing a constantly relive that trauma. And so, I like how they... I mean, they've been sort of moving towards this for a while, but when they... When she... She wakes him up, mimic, and, and they they embrace. There's not like a like a sexual real moment to all this. It's more like a comforting from someone you love. Yeah, which is nice after uh, not ten's little. Moment. Yeah, that that felt right to me. I really liked like that. Um, I like and them I like together. The, like, panels. What was that there? I like the panels. The the really thin mm-hmm. um, six panels. The Wolverine fails, yeah. <laughs> but um, my my other question is, and maybe I'm missing something. Um, but Mister Sinister didn't really play a big part 
in her story in Age of Apocalypse. So uh, I'm wondering what, um, why she's dreaming about him. Well, she was in the pens, wasn't she? Um, which were run by him before um, Saber Tooth saved her. Was it the pens? I, I think that was she, was, she was captured in somewhere else. I'm sure it's like, I don't even know if, I think Sabretooth might have even mentioned it in the last issue. Okay. But, um, well, I remember he was there and he, he rescued her. I remember that. I remember Wolverine like yeah. not really being into rescuing anyone, which is weird. But uh, I don't remember it being the pens. Well, it's just because I think, well, um, spoilers, I'm sure that they mention it more more about her past a bit later on. Um, but I'm sure it must be something like that, or, or she was experimented on, because Sinister basically experimented on everyone in right, Age of right. Apocalypse. So. Right. Or maybe it was just the fact that they decided to use Sinister as opposed to Apocalypse himself or something. It's just a simple, like, mm-hmm. he just wrote Sinister instead of, I don't know, someone else. All right. Well, all in all, what you what you think of of the issue? What what stood out? What did you like? What didn't you like? Um, I liked what we got of um, John, and I liked I pretty much like um, the development, the more of the development between Mimic and Blink. But um, I'm not too sure about TJ because it just seemed a bit weird and out yeah. of place compared to the rest of them. And I will take any bone they throw at me at this point. <laughs> for Marika's character because there's nothing yeah so even just like anything is is a pleasure and I really like the beginning and I, I just I thought it was a neat little idea of like let's have a like a break like a yeah. little breather before we go somewhere else sure so uh, it was I, nice to like have that I, I agree it, it's good to delve into these characters I liked all of them except for Nocturne which just weirded me out um <laughs> Even I even felt that that Morphs was like deep, uh, deeper than it, it yeah. appears at first. Getting into what what he's all about, um, you know, I'm not really on board with this artist. As I said earlier, there are, there are panels that I do like. Uh, that that final page I think is drawn really well with the the Wolverine slices. Um, but there are other panels that people are giving like oddly large foreheads or that weird chin hair of of mimics. Um, yeah, it's like off and on for me. Uh, what, do, what do you feel about the artwork? I think some of it really, like um, the f- some of the young Blink stuff is really good. Like mm-hmm. she looks like terrified, and I think this artist captures John's sort of monstrous form a little bit better than the previous one. Right. Like right. the way he looks with all the angles, but I still agree with the the chin hair, and I think some of it just is like, eh, it's not quite finished. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's what we've got. All right. Well, that was Exiles number seven. Any any final thoughts on that issue? Um, no. It was it was it was okay. Over very quickly and probably forgotten just as quickly in reading it. The next one. I, I want to say that I I feel like it's um, what is what is the phrase the phrase it's. Is eyes, its eyes outreached its grasp kind of a thing. Like it tried to do something unique and, and and deep, and it wasn't quite able to pull it off. But I'd rather read something like that than a like a dumb like punch fest for forty pages. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> so I'd rather, yeah, exactly. Experimentation's always good. Yeah, even if it fails. 
I'd rather watch you know a movie that fails trying to do something unique than a movie that does what every other movie does. Um, so I, I applaud the issue um, and uh, looking forward to to what's coming next. And spoiler alert, we've got a cover next time that is terrible um, of Mariko and John. And I don't know; it doesn't like preview anything that's about the about to happen. But I do not like that cover. All I'm going to say is I thought. She was stood next to a dinosaur. <laughs> but we'll, we'll talk about it again later. That's yes. all I'm going to say. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. About. All right, let's move on to something I think um, that's been a little bit more consistent is Excalibur from 1988. And this is the first uh, dip into the Inferno event that's happening uh, at this time uh, in the X-Books. Uh, do you know if, if that like reached out into... Uh, other books as well, like were the Avengers involved in any way, or was it just the the X the X universe? I think it's just I think it's just the X universe. I, I think four maybe mm-hmm. isn't it? But other than that, I think it's it's all mainly the X Men. I remember when X-Factor, Jason was X-Factor reading through this stuff. a number of years ago uh, through the event and looking at all the pages, um, and him being sort of positive, but also there's a lot of uh, less than positive things to say, but. Um, Exiles isn't that deeply involved with it. It's, it's, it's really tangential. Um, but starting off in this front cover, we've got all of our characters in like uh, demon forms. Um, what, what do you make of this cover? Um, Kitty terrifies me slightly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kitty's face terrifies me. I like that because she looks almost like a zombie. I really like, I actually really like Captain Britain. Me too. The, it's just really interesting. And the fact that he's like full on. Like yellowish white, the whole way down, like, mm-hmm. it's like almost like um, Ghost Vision. Color. Yes, yes, yes. Because no offense to Megan or Cat, but they're very generic demon <laughs> looking. Yeah, which is Cat's mo, I suppose. Um, he but... has another great outfit in this book. As well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, his outfits are just. Well, even Kitty gets an outfit in this book. Oh um, God, yeah. So we're all we're all good. I personally, um, one thing I couldn't find, which I'm on mine, because usually I have the creative teams, but I generally couldn't find the creative team all in mine. Like it's been, I don't know if it's been scrubbed out or. Well, I'll tell you, despite... Marvel Unlimited only has writer Chris Claremont and penciler Alan Davis, and that's all I got. Oh wait, I found it. It's in between. Oh wow, okay. So oh, yeah, it's there in are between in between the panels. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so um, so Neri's Inca, so it's the same thing, and Oliver's colorist. So they're basically it's the same creative. It's the yep. same creative team. The same creative team. Um, completely. Um, so yes. So how do we start our Inferno crossover? All right. So in the Excalibur Lighthouse, the Lycalibur. Headquarters. Um, I'm, I'm Excalibur headquarters might be easier. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really trying to throw these two together and it's not working at all. Anyway, we're in the Excalibur headquarters. Excalibur House. Excalibur House. Excalibur. Sure, I like that. That's, we'll go with that. Excalibur House. Um, and Rachel is having dreams to. It's almost like a. a t- it's amazing sometimes how these books work together. Uh, but yes. we start off with Rachel having a bad dream and we see uh, her mother in her. Um, X-Files, uh, uh, sorry, X-Force. Um, X-Factor. X-Factor. Wow. 
X-Factor uniform with the Goblin Queen and her brother Nathaniel about to be eaten by a green dragon person. And she flips out um, because she vowed to protect him in the past. And she storms out of the lighthouse and like rips a hole through everything. Um, and as she storms out, she uses her powers subconsciously to rearrange Kitty's outfit. Um, I don't even get how that works. Like I, That's the only thing she's done. Like, what does that even mean? Um, her outfit has become like a baby cradle, and she's got a bonnet on, uh, and in almost like a little diaper that's like a knitted diaper as well. It's the most oddly... This is freaky. I just love how Kitty's sort of okay with it. A little annoyed, but sort of understandingly okay. It's like it's about her. It's about her, her um, brother, baby brother, because she's turned me into a baby. <laughs> it must be about that. Um, yeah, can we just say that um, Goblin Knight, the actual title title picture with the Phoenix Force coming out of the lighthouse, is just amazing. Like it's my like. I, li- I always like I always like that firebird when it's drawn right, and this just it's such a beautiful like sort of spread with oh. her coming through. There just are so wha- many pages and panels in this book that are amazing. Well, even Baby Kitty yeah. is hilarious. Like generally, um, but anyway, yes, Baby Kitty and Kitty being like we should go help. Her, yeah, and and we've got we have to mark that. This is a continuing saga of Nightcrawler not being happy with Megan and Captain Britain's relationship. He's remarking on her sleeping attire, and he's like, "That's very much not her." He's just, she's just trying to impress Captain, and he hasn't even noticed. Uh, and he's really upset, and he starts giving orders like, "Hey, we're gonna go get her! Like, get ready!" And I, I love, I just love when Kurt's got a, like a fire underneath him, and he's he's leading a team. Yeah, it's it's nice to see him bark some orders. Um, and I must admit that um, Kurt's evening attire is just as elegant, like a full <laughs> white sleep. And I love how it's unzipped all the way down to the crotch as well. Yeah. Um, no, it looks like a like completely white version of Nightwing's original costume. Yeah, pretty much. And he sleeps in that. So that's um, <laughs> just astonishing. Um, anyway. Hey man, you never know who's gonna visit in the night. Kurt wants to look fly, no matter what time it is. Kurt's wardrobe is just in this book. I don't think I've ever seen. I, I don't think any other book has tackled his wardrobe just as perfectly, or ever, <laughs> as, as Alan Davis has. It's so um, good. But... They should, that's, that's what they should do with the new books. It's just to repeat, to appease me, just have him dressed in different awesome outfits. <laughs> he doesn't even need to speak. He just needs to be in the background and like. Like the the pimp outfit he had at the zoo or anything. Yeah, you hear, us, you hear us, Taylor? In order yeah. to appease Dan, you need to start focusing more on Nightcrawler's wardrobe. That's all I care for. That's all I want. That's all I'm here for now. <laughs> well, on the, on the flip side in London, um, we, we see one of uh, London's detectives is, is brought in and is talking to the secret branch of the government. Uh, where they investigate weird happenings um, because uh, a Nazi train is pulled into London Station. And this ties back into, I don't know if it was last issue or the, the issue before, when Moira McTaggart um, was on a train and it sort of disappeared. It was warped yes. as it went under a bridge. That train disappeared uh, and this Nazi train uh, came in its place. 
Uh, and so they're investigating, and uh, we're introduced to someone who's going to become an important character moving forward. And, and who is that, Dan? Oh, Alistair. We're talking about Alistair. Yep. Alistair Stewart. Dr. Alistair Stewart, who has dirty hands and hides under trains. Um, he's awesome. He's awesome. He's a really interesting character straight away. Boom. He's like instantly like, um, so sort of leaves a mark immediately as yeah. a person. <laughs> so does so does um, Moira and Callisto, uh, the Indiana Jones Nazi division. Yeah, uh, this parallel Nazi version of them show up, and and Moira's got like a bowl cut, and uh, <laughs> Callisto is that has a, a ponytail, but it's just it's it's not like dead center; it's like off center and to the side. It's she looks freaky. Um, do you know what's terrifying? Um, not to be real worldy. But the whole like Reich Rail England, um, and like the the Nazi uh, swastika in the English flag is is terrifyingly real to me at the moment. This moment, <laughs> these I, days, and days. I hear you. Um, yeah, um, I've actually seen that. I wonder if they got it from this comic. Cause I've actually seen that before with uh, like one of our neo-Nazi groups in this country. So I wonder if they're reading X. Do you call them near Nazi groups? That's the brilliant name for that. Neo Nazis, yeah. Oh, I thought, oh, neo. I thought you said near Nazis, like they're. Well, the, technically, there are neo Nazis <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> neo Nazi groups. Um, that's my new word for them all. Um, so yes, that's that's what's happening in London. So we only we only see that for a second, and that's the, like the B plot for a little bit until we make that the A plot in a couple of issues. Um, but we, we zoom back over to Rachel, who's flying above the Earth, sort of a la Superman. And she talks about the stars calling out to her. And she wonders if her mother had ex- you know, the same experiences. Um, and she dive bombs into New York. And we see that the, uh, the Empire State Building is growing uh, to strange and amazing heights. But it's also like gooey. Uh, it's not like a metal building. It's like some sort of gray goo. Um, and she, she lands lands on it, and she sees the Goblin Queen, who she thinks is her mother, but who obviously isn't. She gets zapped. She falls into this tower, and it starts to to almost eat her alive. Um, you know, we're gonna see. You know, Jean's gonna be back for um, the real Jean, right? In in uh, this timeline. All right, let, mm-hmm. let me reverse that. So at the time this comic was created, we've got Jean Grey coming back, right, as the Goblin Queen is, is being removed. And we're going to... Do you know if she makes any appearances in Excalibur moving forward? Do we get some Jean Rachel time? Um, I can't remember. I do know that we do get the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't remember which iteration of X-Men. The, the X-Men do pop up, pop up a few times in the future, in the coming future. But I think it's not until they've established that the X Men are alive again. Right. So I think this this might do this crossover is the thing that I think might establish that. Right. Um, but I can't I can't remember if they actually because for long for long periods of time they're not bothered with each other like they don't care about either side. Right. <laughs> um, so it's kind of hard to remember if they just go oh right. But it should, I think they do talk at least a couple of times. Right. And then we, we cut to the rest of the Excaliburs as they are flying over the ocean. Because they thought, yeah, what's the fastest way to get there? We'll just fly on top of our, our, our teammates who can fly. I mean, it's, it's so like dumb. 
<laughs> but I but, love it because Kurt is in like a 1942 like uh, Ace Combat outfit, <laughs> and Kate's in like an Arctic, um, sort of almost like an Eskimo suit. Yeah, it's um, for hilarious. no no real reason. Um, and I will never not be happy that the image of Kurt riding on the shoulders of Captain Britain as he flies is now etched within my mind again. Um, I love it. It's like a little boy on like her, his dad's shoulders, you know what I mean? He's holding, and he's holding a map as well. <laughs> it's just like the best thing in the world. Um, uh, he's like, how do you even know where you are? You're, you're above the open ocean and you're looking at a map. Like, well, this part of the ocean is definitely aligned with this part of the map. Like, how would you ever know that? <laughs> Cat knows. He knows these things. He knows because he because because um they have to have a little bit of a stop off on a boat right because Kitty's got to go number one yep and she can't phase it out because that would be gross 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 that was disgusting in her words and um once they hit the boat Kurt goes um come farther than I thought so he literally knows where they are in yeah the ocean. I couldn't I couldn't <laughs> understand that how do you know the stars <laughs> does that work. <laughs> Maybe it's one of his other mutant powers, like the ones that no one talks about anymore, like in being invisible in shadows oh, and right. stuff like that. He, so maybe, no matter where Kurt is, he can place himself on a map. That's his other power. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's his other that's his other power. It's his tail, it, it it's like almost like a, a compass. Mm, sure. Um so while they're on the ship, uh all the the sailors start to like leer at Megan and she she's been you know, up until this issue, she's been having trouble dealing with the transformations. They sort of happen on their own very naturally. And she goes into super sexy mode as, as soon as she knows that the sailors are, are out for her. And she's kind of rescued by Kurt, who is very upset that, that Captain Britain didn't notice any of this happening. Um, and he decides, we're off this time. Megan's going to carry me like a little baby. And, <laughs> and Shadowcat and Captain Britain, you can, you can follow us. And they, they zoom off. Um, but it's just more of the, the drama of like, oh, no, I really would like Nightcrawler and Megan to get together. This makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but it will never happen. No. Um, can we just address the fact that they all say yum and that's all they say? And it's really weird. I've never thought that, that about a sexy woman. Have you ever thought that about a sexy person? Like yum? I have never said the words yum about anyone. <laughs> any human being. <laughs> um... And the fact that they all say it, they're actually saying it out loud. Like, yum, yum, yum. Like, they're seagulls. Um, <laughs> like, they're all going, mine, but they're going, like, yum, yeah. yum. And I'm like, is that not really weird and creepy? And then he gets the one that notices. I like what the idea that, that they have it, like, they all have their own tone. They're like, yum, yum, <laughs> yum, 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 yum. Like... Oh, so it was like a it's like a uh, sea shanty, and yes. what they were really doing was trying to sing to her, and Kurt misunderstood. <laughs> sure, let's go. That's, that. That's what happened. Because the other alternative is just just just, just disturbing. I just, this is why I just constantly feel sorry for Megan, because she's her body's not really um, because of her feelings being dragged around by Captain Burton. Like like she explains a little bit later, like her body and her mind aren't cooperating so she's shifting no matter what essentially and mm-hmm. uh, that leads to a lot of problems in a couple of pages time so um we cut back to the empire state building rachel's about to be swallowed by this goop and it's 
changing her into like a goblin form. She's able to break free in some really nice panels, uh, but it kind of drains her. Uh, she, she falls to the ground and her insides are being um, like the goblin part of her now and the real part of her are fighting on the inside until she reaches up to a mannequin in uh, a white wedding dress who speaks to her uh, for some reason because things are about to get really like Excalibur weird here. <laughs> can I, yeah, can I just go back to how beautiful these panels are? The, of course. the fire effects. I love the one with her almost hitting the floor with the wings sort of like tapering in in the little flamey mm-hmm. tail. I just think it just looks like the color work is just just per- spawn perfect. That first panel is just brilliant. No, I I totally agree. And I want to bring up that they use, they continue to use shadow and darkness in really interesting and great ways in order to portray like foreground and background or like emotions. Um, There was a, a, like a really disgusting panel before of Kitty going into the bathroom in. Yes. And you're, you're, you're viewing it from inside the bathroom facing out with the toilet, like all like disgusting, but in shadow and dark and Kitty in the light. And it's like really a gorgeous way to portray something so disgusting and this book continues to just perform on on the art level like in every panel that's why i get excited when i hear that alan davis is about to draw something um but he doesn't draw much anymore unfortunately well uh at least we still got this um yes, and exactly. we cut back to megan carrying kurt like a damsel in distress and her body naturally transforms into a, a female version of Nightcrawler, which I feel like we saw previously as well in yes. an issue. Yeah, it's when she was getting re- they were getting really close and almost kissed. Yeah, because that makes sense, actually. But um, they arrive in New York, and they see that the Empire State Building is like ten times its normal size. Uh, <laughs> uh, they decide to uh, split into teams and search, um, and unfortunately, Megan is instantly drawn to that tower uh, because of her emotional troubles that she's having and is immediately transformed into the Goblin Princess uh, with crazy Bride of Frankenstein hair. Uh, which I, I love this design, even though it's... Ins- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Kurt's, Kurt's gravely upset by this. Uh, Megan tries to make him transform as well. He's able to use his acrobatics to, to escape and decides... The only way to escape from all this is to jump off of the Empire State Building, which is now ten times taller than it normally is. And I thought, in my head, he's like, he can jump off, and then he can just like teleport to somewhere on the street that he sees, and he'll be fine. But he doesn't go with that method at all, does he, Dan? No, because, uh, and to be fair, it's in keeping with the fact that when he teleports, he's not particularly help- healthy. He can only do it because like, it hurts him, doesn't it, a lot. Right. But... What he does decide to do is some sort of Mario jumping on head <laughs> level level astonishing. Like I generally don't know how it even works. And then he still fumbles the fall by ripping the American flag and falling onto the, the pavement from a height that could probably kill most human beings. Yes. I mean, that's easily 30 feet high where he fell from anyway. <laughs> onto the cement. And then he's just like, oh. And then he sees Rachel just in a wedding dress smiling like a mannequin. Because that's the last thing you need to look. Can I just... What I do really like as well is that he's got his uniform on. And that when they take his top off... And he's like... 
in certain comics, um, they just once the fight happens, they just magically te- like they just magically are in their uniform, mm-hmm. like all of the. And I just like the fact that the, the detail of just keeping like the boots and the, the trousers. Yes. And his tail tucked in the trousers still. I thought it was a nice little sort of. And it's, those panels, he looks so like, elegant. Mm-hmm. Like a batic should, essentially. He didn't look like he's just bouncing around. They, um, like a lot of people sometimes draw him. It just looks like he's bouncing. Right. No, he looks. In- like his form when he dives off of the, the tower is so graceful as well. Exactly. The fact that he manages to land, like, was it two, four, like six, no, five head, head, um, head kicks, I suppose, head springs on demon before landing on a flagpole is quite impressive. I, th- I think you, you nailed, you hit the nail on the head with the Mario uh, yep. symbolism. Like, I've played Mario levels where you start falling and you, you're like, jumping on turtles and stuff <laughs> to like stop your momentum like this is, it feels very mario very much so anyway uh with the well, cats on the floor curse on the floor uh and then we cut to further uptown where shadow cat and uh captain britain are, are searching and they see a car has come to life it's trying to eat some people uh captain britain smashes it with a pow punch and they realize that this car was really alive because what's left over is blood on the ground. <laughs> yes, which is kind of like, oh shit. Yeah, uh, he's Captain's really freaked out about it. Um, but uh, as he's freaking out, Megan appears, and she's upset because she knows he hasn't been paying any attention to her, and uh, so he she decides to make thirty-five uh, millimeter film come to life. Uh, and, and wrap him up and take him into uh, a movie uh, cineplex. Uh, so Magic wishes around. Kitty goes inside and she finds herself on the set of like a uh, a military war movie starring Sylvester Stallone is what we look like here. Um, Captain Britain has a sword. He's got a claw glove. It's like Freddy Krueger. He's got an axe on a belt. He also has... A gun that has a missile on it, a rocket launcher, and a chainsaw. It's it's like the biggest overkill you've ever seen. It's I don't. What do you, what is what do you what what do you make of this? Um, isn't this what like a male power fantasy is like? Yes, yeah. <laughs> is that not what that is? It looks it looks it looks perfect for him to be that. Yes, that's like demonic self. I thought it was quite interesting. And Pocky, because it is always Kitty. Yes. Uh, no, <laughs> it is always Kitty that doesn't get um, fucked over. <laughs> Essentially, is left to pick up the pieces. Yep. And uh, that's the end of the issue. To be continued in the next part of the Goblin Night. Uh, it's next. Next issue is called Goblin Dawn. Obviously. Um, so Dan, I, I, we raved about this the whole issue, but the artwork here is. Is unbelievable. Um, Pretty much, it just why why does not people always talk about like amazing runs of books and like amazing art from like the eighties and stuff, mm-hmm. and Excalibur is always missed. Yeah, it always because it, it is some of the best art you from that era. Like it really is. Like what's happening in this book is just beautiful storytelling on a visual level. 
generally um we talked about like characterization through through art because and we only said that about exiles because it doesn't have any words because right. and that proves no offense to the art in exiles but it needs the words to carry a lot of the characterization this book just does it anyway just in a just like you said using shadow or light like there's so much sophistication going on in like pretty much every panel that mm-hmm. it's just, it's insane it really is um I, you know, it's it's dated, so obviously, not not everything is as sharp as it could be, and and you know, et cetera, et cetera. But for for the time this is created, this is this is unbelievable. I don't know if there's anything better coming out at, at this time. I I couldn't. I know other people probably have have like a list of better books or whatever. Um, but like Alan Davis and like. His pencil work is just like the the team, uh, the art team here can run uh, just rival any of like the bigs from the eighties. Like everyone talks about, like obviously um, Frank Miller's um, work in the eighties and all that, like what the Watchmen looked like and all that jazz. Or even X, like the X Men at the time mm-hmm. um, had good art, and like obviously John Byrne was doing a lot of work. But it this is. This is something else. It's just it's such a beautiful looking, but it's because like I, I, it is dated, but it still feels far more sophisticated than a lot of things that are happening now, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is so weird to say. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's dated in what it's able to do because of you know technology, but in terms of how sophisticated the artwork is, you're right. This is like this artwork team, which I I, I want to mention again just so we we give fair shout out because we kind of just said what's well, the same art team. Uh, I didn't name them, but we've got Davis on pencils, Neri is the inker, we've got uh, Oliver as colorist, and Orzachowski is letterer, and they are, wow, you know, <laughs> that's it almost takes your breath away. Because there's panels in here that I would gladly just have as as like uh, my if I could make a house, it would just be the uh, like the walls would just be murals, which are just panels lifted from any issue. Of this original one of Excalibur, because mm-hmm. like generally they're just just stunning pieces of work. Yeah, and like and like these days, I always go, oh, that's a nice panel, and I feel like it's always like it's just like one panel. No offense to any of the comic books uh, that you read, but like, it, like we'll take the X books at the moment. There's some books that can like this all looks great, but like there'll be one panel specifically, and the rest is okay. Whereas I feel like here you could just take a single panel, and there's so much going on. In, in just like one individual panel like like um i'm literally looking at cat looking upset and shouting megan and in between and and the perspective is from inside the wings of that demon mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah there's a lot of thought going on yeah well, there's a lot of thought of perspective on where it was, sort of the quote-unquote camera is and and what they want you to look at exactly so yes as always our top-notch and to be fair the writing was quite fun yeah and it was a great issue and as cross uh, as people i don't know if you probably moan as much as me these days that crossovers usually kill books mm-hmm. um this feels like it's because it's so tangential and but it feels part of the event as well because it's all about demons and shit so it works for that for those characters no i i you know i don't I don't like crossover events, so it's a little disappointing to see them caught up in it, but what they do with it is, is great. 
you know, well, um, if we talk about recent crossovers, I always feel like they always give Peter David a book and then they force him to go on all these crossovers <laughs> and it kills his story. Yeah. But he makes the best of what he's given and I feel like that's what they do here as well. Like they make the best of of this event and they, they do a great job. And I also want to point out before we're done that we have another Struth sighting uh, from <gasps> the tech detective in London. He says Struth when he sees uh, the Nazi versions of Moir, McTaggart, and Callista. Uh, so... It's truth number five, six. Oh, I really should have a, a counter going. But I feel like it's the same detective that keeps saying it. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> same guy. Maybe he's from Australia. That's what it is. Maybe. Maybe that's what it is. I was watching Crocodile Dundee the other day, the first one. Um, and he says truth when he's in the bathtub. And it blew my mind. I told you it's in Australia. It's my because like, I just yeah. Well, I wasn't in nineteen eighties London at the time, so maybe everyone was saying Struth um, at the time. It just, but to um, me, it's just Australian. Yeah, no, it it makes more sense for it to be Australian if Crocodile Dundee, the man himself, is going to be using it in a in a movie. <laughs> Struthing about the place. Yeah, it blew I don't know what my it means. mind. Is it like, oh my god? <laughs> is it like a different word from that? I feel like, yeah, it's, it's, it's the truth. Wow, it's truth. Uh, it's... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Exiles, uh, sorry, Excalibur number six. Uh, outstanding. Uh, great character work with, uh, with Megan here, uh, with Nightcrawler. Amazing artwork. Great storytelling. Like, I don't know what else to say, but uh, good job. Uh, to all of the creatives coming to you uh, 40 years later, but uh, wonderful work. And if you haven't read it, but you're just listening along to this anyway, please just go and read it. Like, generally go and enjoy it yourself, because it's... If it sounds fun, trust me, it's like 10 times more fun reading it. Yeah. So, go out and just read it. Alright. So that was Excalibur number 6. Um... And, you know, all of this, uh, you know, we, we talk a lot about uh, the art team for Excalibur being very intricate and, and detailed and really knowing what they're going for artwork-wise. I think that is a good segue into our next uh, Exiles book, uh, Exiles number five, uh, because the artwork for this book has also been consistently intricate and well-designed and deceptively you know, amazing as well. Agreed. So, 100%. Uh, um, this this issue, uh, creatives, we have, uh, and this is almost like breaking news, but Eisner Award-winning Saladin Ahmed, uh, Pencils and Colors by Javier Rodriguez, Inks by Alvaro Lopez, Letters, VCs Joe Caramagna, and we've got a cover here, David Marquez and Tamara Bonvillan. So, uh, Dan, you want to take us through this cover work? This cover is the time, the Galactus-headed Time Eater, in the um, well, front, well, basically in the center. And our Excal- exiles, I know they said Excaliburs. Whew, mm. So many exits. And our exiles are all ready to fight with Nick Fury on the floor, and a lot of dust being kicked up. I really like the dust effect for some reason. Mm-hmm. At first, I thought my screen was actually dirty, but no. <laughs> 
I just love that. I just I generally still love the fact that they're all coloured differently and they're still inked differently um, on these covers. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't want the inside, you know, the interior the interior art team to to leave this book. But if David Marquez was to do like an arc or a, like a fill-in issue, I would have no problems. Nope. It would be lovely. <laughs> it would be lovely. Because it is a great, it is a great image. It's probably my favorite cover of the three books we've read. Yeah, definitely, definitely the best cover. All right. So, uh, where did we leave off last time, Dan? Ah, uh, yes. Last time we had uh, Exiles find out the villain behind everything, which is Kang, powered by Galactus cosmic energy, essentially, and. We find that out in the still slightly awkward first page, which looks lovely. Um, but I don't know if we need the recap pages from Blue Blue Man Fury. Um, yeah, if I had one like misgiving about uh, this whole run so far, it's been it's been th- those initial first pages have been sort of like yeah yeah we know let's just get into it. Can I just say though that the color work on the oh, first yeah. page is just lovely, like like. The stark contrast between the sort of lunar, I want to say lunar blue, to like the rough and ready red of our Exiles team. Oh my good. Did you hear that? That that alliteration? Oh man, (laughs) that was brilliant. I try. I try. I didn't even mean to do it. I felt like Stan Lee like temporarily inhabited your body to explain what was going on here. Obviously. It's the only way you can get that many R's in a a, a (laughs) consecutive Um, but I just really like it, and I do love the fact that the um, sort of evil um, evil Galactus Kang, Galactican, um, the cloud behind him kind of looks like a face with the two, the two eyes and stuff. Even though he's like, <laughs> on it. it's kind of it's kind of like cool because obviously the big face, the big Galactus face, was eating everyone. So it just kind of because it is the big Galactus face if you actually look carefully. Yeah. In between. But um, I only just noticed that because uh, this is the third time I read it, so it takes me a while to get everything. Because, like we always keep saying, you need to read it at least like twice just to absorb what's going on on the page. Yeah, so, no, you you really do. There's so much going on in, in like every panel here, and you know, I don't want to spoil my my opinion on this book, but the artwork once again throughout the whole thing is fucking amazing like these are you know we come from Excalibur which was awesome to a very different style of book but it's also just blowing my mind with how amazing it's it's art has been I'd, I'd argue that they're both that they're different styles but they're both within the same sort of mindset yeah. of like de- hyper detailed like visual storytelling first mm-hmm. which is always a great way to be because we because like even like the first panel where we have um Kang with his chest on fire, just walking out of a door. Um, just the colour work alone is wow. And all the mini little mirrors everywhere. But yes. Yeah, I love how bright Kang looks. I love the blue lines all over his face and the, and the fire just like seeping out of him like a like a demon. It's 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 wonderful. Um, and and the fact that he leaves little fire footprints. Yeah. Such it's just the little details. Yeah. Um. So Kang, uh, they found out that Kang is responsible for all this, and they go to attack, and he, 
sort of easily dispatches um, um, what's her name? Valkyrie. Yes, thank you. Easily dispatches Valkyrie and her unicorn. Uh, and then, like, Wolvie gets in a little cutting dig here, which I just love so much. <laughs> I, just love the, I love Kang's reaction, to be honest. <laughs> he, like, pauses and gives him, like, like the side eye. Like, who, who said that? <laughs> can, I, can I... I've just noticed. Can I mention that the... Um, sort of inside his hands is is the sort of cosmic yes um i don't know what to call it like sort of symbol all the yeah all the cosmic all the cosmic characters seem to have like um captain universe yes yes that have it is like um it's like it's, it's, it reminds me sort of kirby-esque mm-hmm. dots and lines dots and lines i do love that panel with wolverine saying that sounds really lonely because i think it's drawn really beautifully like, he just looks so innocent, bless him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, and uh, as Kang is, is expounding here, we get young man Nick Fury uh, jumps in on, like, a wire, machine gun blasting. And I love how he's, like, all in an orange glow because of, the like, the fire uh, fight. Um, mm. Like, I, I don't know what to say about the artwork in this book and how how gorgeous this is like they really outdid themselves this issue like they're, they're normally great but this issue especially was was wow i still love the blink the blink effect like the the way he does um yeah. the teleport mm-hmm. speaking of blink guys uh, able to teleport them away um but they're not able to really leave because they suspect that most realities have uh, been absorbed, so they're stuck on this weird, like, mirror castle. Um, and they try to form a plan um, with uh, Iron Lad, like, sort of having a mini freak out that it's his fault it's Kang. They sort of cheer him up, and then they decide uh, they need to take the Talos back to the moon because that will undo things. And if I have a quibble for this book, it's that the logic here was just really silly. Like, if we just take the mm. Talos back to where we got it before, it'll undo everything. Um, what did you think about that story element? I was like, because it's all time travel and stuff. I was like, does that would that work? Is that enough? Like, <laughs> does that make any sense? Right. Um, but then I'm just super distracted by Noel V uh, wanting to go home, getting all upset. Yeah, like. That point for me was a sticking point for a second, but then I'm like, I don't really care that much about it. Like, I just want to see what happens. Uh, you know, sci-fi mumbo-jumbo, that means this is how we finish things. I mean, how many episodes of Star Trek have you watched where, where they're just like, reverse the polarity and then we'll fix things? Like, it doesn't really mean anything. You just know that, that some sort of science has to happen for the plot to move forward, and, and that's what they decided to do. So you just sort of like have to buy it and go with it. Pretty much. Um, so they, they follow Nick Fury uh, rather Blink and uh, Kamala do to help him get to the moon Iron Lad and Valkyrie decide they're going to stay behind to keep Kang occupied and we get a number of like awesome epic fight panels uh, between Valkyrie and Kang and, and Iron Lad and, and Kang and just, just gorgeous stuff it makes it seem like our heroes are defeated and 
permanently. <laughs> it's probably the best way to say it. Because that really beautiful panel with the zoom and and that um, sort of clanking headpiece, just <laughs> rolling his helmet, just rolls, mm-hmm. falls off. And I really like the um, zom over Valkyrie's face while he like vomits fire from his eyes. Oh, essentially, yeah. uh, they do some great uh, stuff with. Uh... With sound sound words here, because we had a, a panel. I want to say the first issue, the second issue, that was Kang shooting his laser that that had like the the sound effect inside the laser beam, and now we've got like the fire coming out of his eyes has the same sound effect that's that's like blasting against Valkyrie's face here. It's you know every time you you pick up this issue, you find more stuff. So, yeah. uh, our heroes escape to like a, a wintry tundra where we find Sabretooth has been waiting. And it is, uh, uh, Chris is uh, Sabretooth and they have a little reunion and Kamala's like, no, Sabretooth was used to hunt down in humans in my uh, universe. So she's upset. Uh, they try to fight and they're like, hey, we got bigger fish to fry. Let's move it. And so they decide to move on. Um what did you think of this little appearance of Sabretooth? It was interesting. What I do love is in the background imagery of um, when Blink and Sabretooth yes. are embracing. The, a younger Sabretooth was holding a younger Blink, I imagine. And in the background of Kamala, Sabretooth is throttling a child. Um, <laughs> I think it's almost as if like the, the ice is living. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I do like the way... like. Sort of the introduced Sabretooth because this is the second exile sort of character that's just van- that just right, appeared. Right, right. Uh, which makes me think we're going to see them all and maybe see more of them come right. later. So this was this was awesome, uh, an awesome page. Uh, and then moving forward from there, we've got uh, back to our uh, other other team who's been fighting King and. Valkyrie and, and uh, Iron Lad are, are knocked out cold. And who comes to the rescue but little Wolvie? And what does he say? Mr. Fishbowl, be nice. I was just, be gone, you ridiculous pest is my favorite line. Um, zap. I just love the fact that he can't die. Um, yeah, he gets burnt to a crisp and he just pops back into, into being. Did you miss me? It's like he's just taunting him. So my question here is, is this like Wolverine's ex, uh, like healing factor turned up to cartoon levels? Or is it just the fact that he's a cartoon? And so like nothing can ever really hurt Things, him. I think it's the fact that he's a cartoon. So either or it's both. Maybe it's both. I do like the fact that he has to imprison him, though. This is a really great sort of moment to break the tension, especially with all the love hearts when he's like stomping on him. <laughs> Oh my god, <laughs> such a ridiculous moment. Uh, and then we cut to some pages that have some really great layouts. Um, so we've got one page, uh, we're, we're back in the tundra, and we've got a giant Kang head with, with little Kangs coming out to attack our exiles. Um, and overlaid on top of that is like a nine page spread, or a nine panel spread of Kamala sacrificing herself to save everyone. It's. Mm-hmm. I mean, we need to talk, I guess, about Kamala's sacrifice here and how 
what that really means, but just layout wise, I was like blown away by seeing this whole thing like blown up. Like um, the the Kang head and the Mini Kangs for some reason reminded me quite heavily of like um, Mobius and his mm-hmm. sort of style of art, and I just like there's a lot going on, and it just looks brilliant. And going forward, I thought um, out of all the characters that you know they, they introduced, and if they were going to murder anyone, because mm-hmm. um, that's you know as Exiles fans know, yeah. that's part course. Someone, ha- some they're all expendable. Um, I didn't expect it to be Kamala at all. Did you expect Iron Lad? <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. That's what I expected as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's because he seems like the most expendable. Sort of the, yeah, the most expendable and the least sort of like he's kind of like uh, Magnus from the original Exiles, yeah. where like he he's useful, but. He's either slightly overpowered or, you know, he hasn't, like, given an impact like the rest of them. But this could free it up, and Iron Lad could really move forward um, from this. It's just it's just such a strange choice. But it's a great way to, like, have someone, you know, because she's doing it for her entire family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see that Nick Fury has, has made it back to the moon, and he's talking to himself... Um, like his older chained up self um and that conversation is kind of cut short until we we see clarice is in uh like the mirror dimension and like the panels and coloring here remind me very much of the end of john wick 2 he gets into like a a firefight in in like a museum that's filled with like mirrors and and such uh a la uh enter the dragon uh but, but but it's very like neon colored in that movie and this you know borrows that sort of neon coloring here to, to like gorgeous effects as as Clarice is confronted by like an infinite number of herself from other realities so we see one that looks more like an Age of Apocalypse one we see one that looks more like her first introduction in the main Marvel Universe um, and, and and what happens next Dan? Um, well she doesn't lose her mind that's for sure but basically what happens is that Iron Lad and Valkyrie get back on their feet and just carry on fighting. And even um, even little Wolverine bursts out of his little cage, all claws popped, ready to fight. <laughs> yeah, um, two-inch claws, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, basically, uh, Clarice comes back with a hell, a load of uh, Clarice's and allies from who they've met previously. So we've got like. Uh, Pirate Misty and Falcon. We've got um, some of the Frank Miller world um, mutant dudes from Kamala's timeline, and we've got Little Magneto. I love, yeah, I love that callback. And um, we've got sort of um, groovy, groovy Neymar and Pirate Thing, and they're all smacking him basically because there's just a load of panels of fists. Lots of um, energy, claws, a la blink, and a load of punches as they just keep pummeling. Uh, gl- um, gl- I need to get a Galactus Kang Kang. Keep pummeling Kang till boom, he's all done. I, I love how all the fists are like facing towards the center panel uh, where the battle's going on, and like the zoom in fists are all on the outside. It's just, once again, like great panel work. 
still there, Dan? I think I lost yep, yep, it. No, okay. no, 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 you didn't. <clears throat> no, for a second, I was trying to like not cough. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's been a good pattern. But yeah, I, I really like it as well. I love the fact that it's just like tiny fists hitting yeah. a giant body. Until yeah, the, it's like, the layouts here are great. You even see like, you know, the thing fist, you see a misty fist, you see, you know, a whole bunch of different fists coming in. Um, the day is saved. Everyone sort of is teleported back to their original timeline. Um, and, uh, you know, blue man Nick Fury on the moon is like, you saved the day, but there are still more missions to come. Um, and they have a, a funeral for Kamala where... You know, I feel like a change of art style again happens here with, with having the funeral and the rains coming down. It just feels very mm-hmm. more like like gritty and realistic. Pretty much, even even with uh, little Wolvie. Mm. Um, and after they say goodbye to Kamala, uh, they go back to you know, quote unquote, uh, regular Earth to visit um, Clarice's aunt, who said you can visit any time, and she's brought her friends to stay for vacation. Um, and we've got Wolverine in like vacation outfit. Uh, Valkyrie is towering over everyone in like giant cargo shorts. And I love that Iron Lad looks like incredibly thin and like weak. He's just like out like, of his yeah, he's waving. Yeah, <laughs> like hey. Um, and we're to be continued. Um, and I, I bloody love this issue. Uh, we had our minor quibbles, but from a character point of view. From a story point of view, from an art point of view, this is hitting it in like all cylinders. It's just, it, it really is just like that panel with um, right near, there's a panel right near the end where um, Blink's in the shit with her shades, just just that panel where she's just showing the rest of the exiles off. It's so, it's just well done. It's just beautiful. It's got like a really nice background as well. And the fact that like the luggage is so specific to each character, I just really, I just really, yes, um, yeah really like it and I, like the whole thing totally just works even with it's crazy even with like little little Wolvie just running about having a nervous breakdown or whatever he does um like one of my favorite things is uh, the panel where nick fury meets blue man nick fury and uh the one page the splash page where it's uh, the talus and it's got right Carter and the others and Creed goes one way, Nick Fury goes the other, and it's just it's just um, Clarice going out into the mirror world. Mm-hmm. I think every like it's because each each one feels like a different style. Like um, even the ice, because they're all coloured very differently. Like in the ice world, it's coloured completely differently. Oh yeah, to yeah, totally. When they get, and I really like that um, they drop the backgrounds when Little Wolvie attacks Kang, and it seems almost like a cartoon. <laughs> yes. Like it feels like a cartoon when he it, when they fight with each other. Yeah, um, it feels very like like Bugs Bunny, sort of a thing, you know, like the Roadrunner and Coyote. Like Coyote gets flattened by an anvil and he just like pops back up into normal and he's back at it again, you know. Because even the um, sort of uh, the sound effects of slightly more oh, comical. Oh yeah, totally. So it's just it's just it's so interesting to. Um, because we were talking about like how much effort seems, to, or how much like sort of detail and effort that's going into the art, and this book's just the same. It's just, and as, as, aside from the quibbles that you had, which I kind of I agree with, um, I think it just really works out like it's final. It lands, it lands the ending of its yeah. story quite yeah. well. Yeah. And and the, now we've got all of that out of the way, 
I'm very much looking forward to seeing how they move forward. And do we do we get a replacement for Kamala, or is it just going to be the the four of them moving forward? I'm sure we'll find someone for a little bit at least. Maybe not the next issue, but I have a feeling shortly we'll get we'll get another character added. Very much so. Uh, and a hint, you know, for they got sort of the the preview cover for the next issue is the Wild Wild West, where they're fighting the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, uh, but as cowboys. Um, so and that, it's drawn by the original uh, Exiles artist, Mike McKern. Yeah. So it's. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I mean, what's your anything else you want to add about uh, issue number five? And and. If nothing about that, anything you want to say of the first arc as a whole? I think as a first arc as a whole, um, it is it, it hit the ground running and has only just started to stop. Um, and I, but I think it managed to achieve pretty much everything that you need to achieve. It, it sort of has defined its characters and sort of its mission statement going forward. And it's interesting to see sort of where it's going to go. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like it's only gotten better with each issue. Um, and I'm quite happy with where we are at the moment, and I'm excited to see, you know, where where we end up moving forward. Um, what do you want to rate this one one to five on the Excalibur scale? Um, I'm gonna have to. Um, I'm giving it a very high four because mm-hmm. it still has it's had little quibbles. Mm-hmm. But it's like very, 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 very almost breaking the the barrier to five. I'm gonna give it a, a low five. In that, even though I mentioned the quibbles, that I had more problems with them the first time I read the issue, but this time I definitely did not. I think this is the third time I've read this, um, and it, it really comes together really well at the end. Um, I uh, this could this book get better? I mean, I guess any book could get better, but I I feel like it's it's hitting all of its marks, um, and I. If it can get any better, you know, praise praise the Lord because it's already so so great. Maybe I'm just being a harsh marker today, but um, no, I, th- I think um, it, it's not that it could get any better, but I just feel like it was a really strong issue. I just don't personally feel like it was like five. I feel really bad saying that now, <laughs> but. You know what I mean? No, I, I, I don't. I don't feel like you're saying strong four out of five is really uh, doing a disservice. And <laughs> I think it's fine. You know what people are like? They get upset if you don't give things perfect well, things. I, I, you know, there's all, you know, with artwork, there's obviously some level of subjectivity to artwork. I mean, you can debate story structure and blah blah blah, but if something really works for you or doesn't work for you, there's always a piece that is. Just depends on who that well, person is, and the, my slight problem with it then comes more from its story and really heavy dialogue, sci-fi dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my main gripe. It's nothing to do. It's nothing to do with the art. No, I, I I think you were very articulate about that, and I I shared some of those quibbles, but I was able at this 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 third reading to just just put it aside. And just being like, it's it's it bugged me, but not enough. And what it did as a whole uh, landed with me, maybe on an emotional level, stronger than how my my brain was able to find little nits to pick. So, uh, 
but you know, I think we both really enjoyed the issue and, and the arc <laughs> overall. So um, it's great, great job. Uh, the art team, uh, the writer as well. Um, you know, Dan, we just had, um, it's sort of I'm jumping on a tangent here, but we just had the Eisner Awards happen uh, over the weekend. And I mentioned that the writer of this book uh, won for, I don't remember if it was limited or best new series with Black Bolt. But, but have you read, read all of that? Not all of it, but it is, I've read the first trade and it's very good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm quite happy that, uh, you know, he was kind of an unknown to me when he was given this book. Um, because I didn't jump on Black Bolt right away either. But I'm quite happy with uh, all of the creatives we have on here. Uh, I do like Black Bolt. And I, I want to ask, have you been current with Quicksilver? Because I believe he's writing that as well, yeah? I was going to say, if you do like Ahmed, uh, I, would, I would highly recommend Quicksilver. Um, no, no Surrender? I just call it Quicksilver. But, yeah, No um, Surrender, yeah. Quicksilver, No Surrender. That series, and the, and the most recent issue where it delves into him and his sister's sort of relationship. Because it's, it's such a great character study. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's Quicksilver. It's always been interesting in The Right Hands, <clears throat> Peter David. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But you know, but usually is 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 given a a, a disservice as a character. Sure. It's just like uh, uh, the the annoying Flash from the Marvel comics. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice to see a modern Quicksilver get a proper sort of tooth, like a proper go of it, like a meaty personalized story to him. So, and also, if you want to see some fantastic, like you, you should definitely go back and look at. You know, look up. Um, well, I'd say all the art teams of all the books, but you know, look at Rodriguez's previous work on like Spider Woman. Yes, and stuff, oh God, and, yeah. and, and, go, and go back and read it because he he just does wonderful things all the time. <laughs> so and he's he's paired nice. up with a great writer there as well. I mean, hopeless writing. I mean, that was a great book. It was a real shock to the system when it was canceled. But uh, yeah, I would agree. Go back and read that. Hi. Alrighty, well, um, that was this week's uh, edition of books. You'll probably hear us uh, coming soon uh, on the, the newest uh, episode of the Snickcast, a podcast that goes Snick with Jason. Um, but uh, I, I just, these are three, you know, maybe the first Exiles issue wasn't super strong, but these are three really fun issues to read. And uh, I, I really enjoyed my time, Dan, so thank you so much. Thank you for letting us uh, talk about well Excalibur because it doesn't. No one talks about it enough, and it needs to be talked about. It really so, does. Well, um, it's such a beautiful thing. I hope that um, I don't. I have no idea how well Exiles is selling uh, this, this newest version, but it really does like echo that original Excalibur run, and it would be nice to see uh, this Exiles get a nice long run as well because I love comparing these two books. Uh, art-wise, story-wise, character-wise. And um, I just love and recording. So I, I hope everyone's having a good time listening as well. I would totally recommend that you read these books along with us or, be- or before you listen to the podcast. And uh, we'll see you soon. So uh, talk to you later. Bye. Bye.